The following episode of the 9pm edict contains strong language, adult themes, powerful billionaires, and other obnoxious people. Friday, the 30th of July, 2021. Uh, We're kicking off the late winter series with a man who's described himself as an investigative humorist. Yes, it's Dan Illich, producer of the award-winning podcast, Irrational Fear, alumnus of Hungry Beast, showrunner of At Home Alone Together, and much more. In this episode, we wonder why Alan Jones is still working. Alan should be just like going home, feeding his geese and, you know, listening to Anthony Kalia. We ponder our fate. Do you ever feel like increasingly we are, we are just falling into like serfdom for different billionaires? And we discuss the problem with Sky News host Rowan Dean. The problem with Rowan Dean is he is a fucking clown. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. This is the 9pm loneliness of Alan Jones with Dan Illich and not Ray Martin. Dan Illich, uh, it is uh, lovely to have you here uh, this morning as we record this. Did you know... Did you know that today, the 30th of July, uh, the last Friday in July each year, mm. is Talk in an Elevator Day? Oh, wow. Talk in an Elevator Day. Now, I've heard of Talk Like a Pirate Day. Uh, I've never heard of Talk in an Elevator Day, which is, quite frankly, a terrifying prospect. Isn't it? No, no one likes talking in an elevator. Elevator, as and look, I'll have to say, the industry as a whole has had a, had a lot of ups and downs. And... Oh. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> We're going to get the dad jokes in early, don't we? Well, you might as well. You might as well. Uh, look, I'm not adverse to it. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not wholly against it, but I know for the feelings of introverts in my life, I will avoid oh, it. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever been caught in an elevator, though? Stuck in an elevator? Yes, then- I have. I've been tra- I've been trapped at, the, uh, at a hotel in the inner city, a very small, shitty hotel in Sydney, and we were, going, we were there for a Bucks party, and the fireman had to come and get me out. <laughs> uh. We were drunk. It was fine, but um, the elevator got stuck halfway between floors. So, yes, I have been stuck in an elevator. I have done it twice. Once was... Oh, many years ago in a hotel, like a, a stay-at hotel, not a pub, in mm. Melbourne, and I won't name it, it's not there now anyway, uh, <laughs> where I came out and breakfast was, you know, in floors down, got in the elevator, I might have been drinking the night before, elevator just goes down, just down, goes straight wow. past the floor, straight past the breakfast, down, 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 and hits the buffers at the bottom. Whoa, what, what was that like when you hit the buffers at the bottom? Um, you pull a couple of G. I think it's, it was okay because there's breaks and things as well. So it wasn't all of what, you know, it wasn't the the last, last minute resort, but it was so the so second last. people who, uh, who may have been living in Sydney in the 90s, was it like falling on Space Probe 7? I, I have no idea what that is. So, yes, obviously, it was it's a exactly ride in Australia's like Wonderland that. still. You never rode ah. Space Probe 7 in Australia's well, I, Wonderland? I only moved to Sydney in the mid 90s. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm not a big fan of those rides that fill you with terror. I have enough terror and anxiety in my life, <laughs> Dan. Um, but 
then this lift decided, of course, oh, now that I've gone all the way past the sub base, and, and you know, I'll now go right back up the top of the shaft yeah, and give it yeah. another go. And I just, but the doors open said, no, I'm walking down now. <laughs> and What a shame. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other, yeah, I didn't want to give it another chance. Yeah, the the other time was just an office building I was working in in the Sydney CBD somewhere, a mm. standard elevator stuck thing. And yeah. there was a woman in the elevator with me. She had her sandwich. She obviously, oh no, I had the sandwich. I'd just gone down to get lunch, had a sandwich, and she. So, so I made a joke, uh, which basically I think I said something like, "Oh, good thing I bought a sandwich." Be <laughs> stuck, and I didn't realise she was terrified of the idea of being stuck in an elevator. Oh no! Did you offer to share your sandwich with her? Uh, I, well, yes, obviously. Right. Um, but but <laughs> I mean, she was not aware that oh, yeah, I'll press the button, and you know, there's guys on bicycles mm-hmm. who'll be here in a few minutes, and yeah. we'll be fine in the CBD. But there was there's other times. It's fun. It's fun. They're wonderful, safe machines. Uh, so today. Uh, although people won't listen to this until tonight, which is all kind of pointless, really. It's also <laughs> World Cheesecake Day, but I don't have any jokes about that. Well, well, Cheesecake Day. Who would have thought? I love a cheesecake. It's my favourite um, yummy sweet thing to get. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. I love a little cheesecake. Yeah. I don't mind a tiramisu, <clears throat> or, which is something to do with prostitutes, I've realised recently. Is it really? Yes, it was the dessert they had in brothels in one of the Italian cities. I've been going to all the wrong brothels. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Uh, and speaking of the quarantines, when you can't go to the brothels and struggling back to the plan, that's good. Uh, how are you going during the quarantines? Uh, good. Uh, <clears throat> oh, excuse me, I've got a, f- a frog in my throat, not COVID. Uh, I'm, in, uh, I'm in sunny Bondi, Bondi mm-hmm. Beach, the Bondi Cluster, home of the Bondi Cluster. And... Um, there's about 700 people out the front of my house all just uh, having a romp, which is wonderful. No, that's not true. People are very good in Bondi. You know, I, I, I really I really don't like the coverage that people are giving to Bondi about all the Bondi people all hanging out and having parties and stuff like that because uh, everywhere I go, people are walking down the middle of the street, avoiding each other and, you know, getting their coffee and walking away. And, you know, is that, is that, that just you, though? Actually, it could just be me, me and my my partner. We are we are both very vigilant in this regard. We're trying to stay away from as many people as possible. We're trying to get closer to whales than people. We're trying to Mm -hmm. hit the the cliffs of Bondi so we can view whales away from all the people. Um, So yeah, no, it's um it's not too bad here in Bondi. It's uh if you're going to be locked down anywhere, being locked down at one of the most famous beaches in Australia is is not a bad bad place to be. Which you then can't. Go to oh you can because you can get out for your daily exercise. I get out for a walk. Yeah, we can exercise yeah. in two by twos. It's great. <laughs> but exercise, come on, it's a walk and a sit down. And then you yeah. know, once you sit down, you walk back. That, that's what we're talking about here. I got very cranky about the coverage on another podcast on Well May We Say recently. But yes, mm. it's it's this whole Puritan idea that if you're in lockdown, you're not allowed to enjoy yourself in any way. That if you go for a walk. That's fine, that's exercise, but yep. you can't have an ice cream while you're doing it. <laughs> Although takeaway food's okay. Yeah. You know, what yeah. if I get some hot chips? No, you Let's can't take- get chips still. You've got to get kale. You have to get uh, kale. You have to get spinach. Yep. You have to oh, get omega-3 foods that's to right. exercise with. That's right. 
Otherwise, anything else is too much fun. There will be no fun in lockdown. <sighs> and you can't watch Netflix. You can only watch actor-approved documentaries. That's wow. Wow. <laughs> that could get a bit grim. Screen Australia didn't spend all of your taxpayer money on a bunch of documentaries that no one was going to watch. No, they want you to watch it in lockdown so you have the least <laughs> amount of fun as possible. Uh, speaking of uh, the least amount of fun possible, Rowan Dean. Oh, well, Australia's best satirist. Yes. According to Andrew Bolt. <laughs> they really are up each other like a... Anyway. Um, he had... This is... Look, I must... Uh, credit to Cameron Wilson, journalist. Uh-huh. He's at Crikey now for this bit because he compiled this. He compared... Rowan Dean's comments a year ago on the Black Lives Matter protests Mm. and his comments this year on last weekend's anti-lockdown, anti-vax protests, right? Now, Mm. here's a grab. See if you can tell when it changes. (laughs) If a single person dies from a coronavirus infection traced back to any of yesterday's Black Lives Matter demonstrations, everybody responsible for that death from the Premier to the Police Commissioner to the judges, must immediately resign, and a lot of them, including the organisers of the rallies, must be prosecuted for manslaughter and recklessly endangering our lives. If the pandemic is real, then our most vulnerable Indigenous Australians now have a potential death sentence hanging over them. So much for Black Lives Matter. Clearly not to the people who marched in our cities yesterday, endangering Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians alike. At the very moment, restrictions were being lifted. Shame on you. Points here about the process being peaceful to beginning at the beginning, I think, is very important. Where did the uh, where did the chaos come from? And this idea now that the police are putting out about hunting down and getting you to dob in your neighbours if you saw them on footage—that's not Australia, folks. No, that's not Australia. So was he talking about the same Black Lives Matter where there was social distancing, masks, check-ins and zero COVID in the community at that point? Was he talking about those Black Lives Matter? Yeah, or was he talking about one, was he talking one, about the time when the there was... the police came in and, and, and basically tear-gassed everyone oh, inside yes, that, Sydney Central Station? Yeah, that's right. They're tear-gassing some anarchists who weren't leaving Sydney Central Station. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well... That's um that's interesting. Um, I think it was the one where he said "Black Lives Matter," like that. Black Lives Matter. He's really trying to be Alan Jones. I think he's really trying to get his his incredulous on. The problem with Rowan Dean is he is a fucking clown, and uh, and Alan Jones. <laughs> knowing isn't? no one should Wait, take hang him on. Seriously. And Alan Jones isn't. Well, Alan Jones is a well dressed clown and extremely rich. I don't think Rowan Dean is as rich as Alan Jones. <laughs> Well, no, very few of us are, which does bring us to Alan Jones, of course. Uh, the uh, reported, uh, well, in the last few hours, whenever, I don't know, the time. Time does, does not have meaning anymore, does it, Dan? Uh, but uh, Alan Jones has lost his column in the Daily Telegraph because they're, <laughs> they're basically sick of his anti-vaccination and anti-lockdown commentary. Uh, I read this incorrectly. I, I read it as he lost his colon, and I thought, well, that is very sad for Alan Jones. I mean, he went through cancer a few years back. but um, uh, Was it cancer uh, of the lower tubes? <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. Oh. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't laugh, actually, because someone I know has literally yesterday got back from having most of their colon removed from colon oh, cancer. God. So, So gentle people 
particularly the if, gentle blokes, but yet do Get the yourselves test. checked. Get yourselves checked. If, <clears throat> look, if I do happen, uh, inshallah, to, to ever get um, colon cancer and have some of it removed, I would like to, I would definitely overuse the joke, I've got a semicolon now. Yeah. That's what I would yeah. <laughs> do. I mean, you've got I'd to. Say, oh, so you had your colon? No, I've got a semicolon. <laughs> would you, would you keep it like in a jar or something? Yeah, I'd, I'd keep it in a jar, I'd keep it framed, I'd give it a nickname, take it for walks, introduce it to the neighbours, um, you know, pick up chicks. What's this? What breed is this? It's a semicolon. Um, uh, yeah. I've got another one at home. <laughs> you should see the one in my pants. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. This is the quality Still. entertainment you, you listen to this Still. podcast for. Thank I'm you, sorry Dan, to all of your Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not Patreon, it's others, but yes, so it's possible. And, mate, that is far from the worst imagery <laughs> that we, we've had here. Uh, the fabulous Mark Humphreys, who you might... I heard that well, episode. Do, yep. Yes. Uh, Sky News as a human centipede. Was, was He's. I mean, Mark is extremely erudite. That is, he is. Ab- absolutely correct. These guys are just they're they're lifelong trolls. It's it's so bizarre. How do you get up every day and say the most ridiculous thing uh, that is full of lies to a whole bunch of people? Like, how do you do that? I mean, maybe I could do it for the right money. Um, maybe I've been doing it for the. Maybe I've been doing it for the wrong reasons. Well, this is the thing. I mean, they and you and me, we all work in a field which is all about getting attention, right? We're attention seekers and that's and that's how we cope with, well, many, you know, with being bullied often. It's like, <laughs> if, you know, tell a joke and the bullies won't hurt me kind of thing. <laughs> or there's I need attention because I have this yawning chasm of loneliness inside me and mm. I, just, I just want someone to like me and... This is the story that anyone who works in comedy has, almost, yep. right? Yep. There is sure. always tragedy within the comedy. Yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to be vulnerable right now, and I can't think of the reason why I do comedy. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, look. Forget about. Forget about Alan Jones. Fuck Alan Jones. Just fuck Alan Jones. Let's talk about you, Dan. Let's talk about you because it is your first time on the pod. Well, I, so I, I, I think Alan Jones is worth talking about. Like he, oh, okay. Can you? Sure. Can you you're the guest. You're the well, guest. We'll talk about anything you want. I, I, I just think it's. I think it's incredible that Alan has Alan's columns have been dropped, um, and and he, and it, it was clearly dropped because. Um, the Daily Telegraph could see looming on their bank balances a whole bunch of advertisers about to drop a whole bunch of advertising from them. And it was just fascinating to see how they said, well, Alan is, isn't relevant anymore. Alan is still relevant, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, this is, the, this is the sad thing we're in. Alan Jones has always been relevant. Until he dies, he will no longer be relevant. And, and, and that's, that's, that's where we're at at the moment. It's so interesting as someone who is turning 40 this year to see the same people in media have the same jobs for all of my lifetime and wait till you turn 50 (laughs) or 60 or 70 and the cunts are still there it's incredible like it's just incredible and it drives me it drives me insane that 
Alan has had this career for so long and hasn't decided to gracefully hang up his hooves like other people have. Like, you know, my good friend and mentor, Andrew Denton, he is, he's, he's now a private person. He doesn't want to be on TV any, any time ever, ever again. And I think that's interesting. Like that's, that's what Alan should be doing. Alan should be just like going home, feeding his geese and, you know, listening to Anthony Kalia. And why not? You know, that's a lovely thing to do. And, and, I don't know. It's it must be the attraction of thinking you're important. Well, I think that's partly it, and also Alan is. I, I understand from my friends who know Alan, he's an extremely lonely fellow, <laughs> and so part of the appeal for him to keep working at this pace is because he gets to maintain his ego in a way where he is where he's loved. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's also incredible that the the two biggest. The two biggest mistruths that Alan has been peddling the last 10 years have been the most damaging to society, which is climate change and more recently COVID. Like peddling mistruths about these two things fundamentally endanger his audience to a point where uh, in the long term, it's not sustainable. You don't, you don't have a radio show without an audience. And if you're going to kill your audience, what's the point of that? It's such a such a weird, fragmented thing that uh, it's so funny to see Fox News hosts now go, "Hey, you know what? We were wrong. You got to go out there and you got to get vaccinated." <laughs> you know, like that's when Trump's even gone, Fox so- News has read the writing on the wall. Exactly. I mean, Trump's gone, so there's no dick to suck. So they've got they've they can now speak the truth. They can now go, there's "Hey, another image." <laughs> Yeah. They could just now go, hey, you know, you know, you just got to go get vaccinated. You got to go fix this. And now, thanks to right wing um, media, kind of uh, like um, uh, I don't know what are, what, are they, what are they called, like little echo chambers. There's it's splintered and atomized into so many little right wing groups that the the truth isn't filtering into those groups. So Fox News is now impotent in that kind of. Uh, in that kind of demographic, it's so fascinating because even Fox News is now on the outer with these with these groups. They don't believe Fox News anymore. I, I know Fox News is 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 leftists. You're going to listen to <laughs> one American. Was it one American news? Um, and yeah, oh, uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, one American. And the news, other one, yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, Newsmax. Newsmax. Yeah. <laughs> what I like about Newsmax and One American News, they sound like uh, cup servings you have at at 7-Eleven. You know, like, uh, ah. you know, I'll have a Newsmax and a News Mini. <laughs> uh, it's the same dear. kind of people who buy the big gulp watch Newsmax. You mentioned Andrew Denton just then, which does uh, take uh, us back Andrew De- to... Andrew Denton. Yes, that's very good. Thank you. To when we first met 10 years ago, you and I, you were just about to start doing Hungry Beast with Andrew Denton as your mentor. And I remember it... I, you might, you probably don't remember this, but it, it, it was at some function at Daltone House in Piermont. I absolutely, I absolutely remember it. And we met Baratundi Thurston, who was at that stage the video producer for The Onion. Oh, right. And he'd been brought over to tell a bunch of wide-eyed corporate types how to use social media. Social media. media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love this. He's a lovely man. Uh, Baratunde is excellent. I, I, 
I didn't. I don't think I got. I don't think I managed to meet him at that event. But I did meet the Al Jazeera uh, guy who was who was running social for Al Jazeera. Who was also extremely good. Yeah, uh, and I do remember meeting you at that event. And I remember Will Anderson hosting. These are the th- yes. these are the things I vaguely remember. And the interesting thing about Baratunde Thurston is a few years after that event, I think he ended up getting a job at the John Stewart Daily Show when they were going to yes. reinvigorate the Daily Show with a whole bunch of new things. Now, Baratunde lives in this wonderful world um, where he combines technology and culture and comedy and all these and uh, and uh, justice and all this kind of stuff all in kind of his brand. So it kind of makes sense for The Daily Show to kind of have someone like Baratunde on their staff. And I remember when he left The Daily Show, more importantly, he wrote this great medium piece about trying to affect change in what ostensibly was a Viacom company. And uh, and he was saying, like, there's very little I could do with kind of 486 machines... <laughs> <laughs> on, on running Windows XP, and uh, you, you got to realize making like the television sausage factory is a, is a factory that is primed to do one thing: making television. Yeah. And investing in digital space is something they're not ready for. And you could you could just see like like it screamed, "I just I just burnt two years of my life trying to make these fucking idiots realize there's a." Uh, six billion people out there waiting to read, hear about the Daily Show on the internet, and I felt so sorry for him. I um I moved to Los Angeles. I moved to San Francisco in 2015, and then Los Angeles in 2016. And I got to, I jumped on his uh, news uh, letter feed, and so I got to go to a few of Baratunde's events, and they were always super interesting and um and kind of cutting edge. And he he clearly is in many respects above the Daily Show in his thinking and. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, so uh, I, I really, um, I really appreciated that medium post that he that he put up. I will, of course, link to that. Links to everything that we mention, almost. I, 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 like Do you this remember is, seeing this that is post? A pub- you're, 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 you're a very online personality. I'm sure you would, have, you might have seen that post. I, I would have, and uh, yeah, it's the reaction I had to that kind of thing was that there was this whole vibe. 10 years ago, say, since we're talking about 10 years ago, but, you know, plus or minus five, that that what the, the big existing media companies had to do was, was shift and manoeuvre somehow into this new realm. And I thought, sure, just as in the age of Grand Ocean Liner passenger transport, they adapted to the age of the aeroplane by putting wings on steamships. You know, Exactly, yeah. No, no, you... you <laughs> You start with a whole new thing and you working on Hungry Beast and similar shows, like you build from the ground up. You don't start from the position that you've got a staff of of 100 people and a studio and all of this gear. You start from you've got a little digital camcorder and and an edit suite somewhere and build it up. Exactly, yeah. For new tools. You need need the right tools from like the (laughs) – from the start (laughs) – and and I imagine that because you could see that in even last year, some of the, the, the TV networks were doing things like, oh, we're all got to go into COVID lockdown. So we'll try and do a broadcast TV thing, but in lockdown style. And it's almost like, yeah, they're, they're bringing broadcast cameras into the home and there's all this and a sound guy and all this. Yeah. Whereas... Yeah. 
others did well what you and I are doing now we've got we've each got a computer in front of us and a microphone and a camera and off we go you're camera talking to someone who made a lockdown comedy TV show yes called at home alone together which was fabulous which is exactly what we did <laughs> and and people uh, I think it's still up on ABC iview I think so, yeah. Uh, I think it is, yeah. It's just fabulous, uh, and I thought Ray Martin was the perfect host. Thank you very much. That was uh, that was my pick. I was very happy to score Ray. I was like, yeah, I want Ray, and I had to uh, do a lot of convincing, but we got we got him over the line. Uh, that was that was lovely. I I actually I did work with Ray once. Well, I was I was doing a spot on the project, and Ray was guest host that week, and uh, it was hilarious because if you're on the project from Sydney, you obviously just in front of a green screen there yes, in Melbourne yeah. and you're looking down the camera and all of that. And as they as as the production team are talking you through and checking your earpiece and first it's the Sydney crew telling you and then it's the Melbourne master control and then it's the floor manager each telling you, Oh, it's Ray Martin. Ray Martin today. It's Ray Martin hosting, you know. Uh, and so when when he introduced himself, Hi, I'm Ray Martin and I just just looked straight down the barrel of the camera. This is before recording I said Ray, it's a pleasure to meet you, and it's fabulous to finally be working with a professional on this show. <laughs> he is my so ears wonderful. filled with laughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he is so wonderful and generous and kind, and he's he's um I liken Ray to Except a little boy. Except if you're John Saffron. Uh, well, that is that is absolutely true. And uh, <laughs> for those who don't remember John, but, but Ray Martin when he was hosting that would have been sixty minutes. A, a current affair. A current affair. Uh, either way, nineteen ninety three. Oh, fuck! The year was nineteen ninety three, Stilgarian, <laughs> and John Saffron was a bright eyed, bushy Jew from Melbourne, and he had just been given his, uh, his his green light after a successful race around the world uh, TV show run, and he was given a couple of pilots. So he made two pilots for the ABC: one about veganism, all about how food gets made, and another about the media. And the the media story was that he would get. He would make fun of a current affair by bringing Shane Paxton, who was part of the, this family called the Paxtons, who were at one point given a, a, a the ultimate job of living and working on like a, a barrier reef island, and they were going to get paid, but they didn't like being away from their family, so they said we don't want this job anymore. And so a current affair said, "Oh, you just got given the best job in the world, and you know you can't handle it. You're a dull bludger." So he took the Paxtons to Ray Martin's house. To do what rate to do what current affair people do all the time, which well, notoriously in the nineties, which was bounce somebody at their house, which is a shorthand for saying they would go to their house and try and get a confrontational interview with someone at their house. So they actually went to Ray Martin's house with Shane Paxton. Uh, John Saffron went through Ray Martin's bins, a la uh, a journalism at the time from a current affair, <laughs> and then Ray Martin did the classic. Um, victim for a current affair. He was putting the hand up against the camera and telling them to shoo away and telling them to get lost and, and would call. he said threatened to call the ABC boss and all this stuff and it became this notorious pilot that was not meant to be seen by anyone because it got canned but somehow it got leaked uh, in, in the mid-90s. How, how uh, does this happen? And But this is strange. It got leaked on real video. Do you remember real video? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Yes, you could get... 480 by pixels by 320 pixels. Yes, it was so Live tiny. Stream. 480 by 320. Exactly right. That's how I watched. That's how I watched these two pilots because I saw I, it on a website. I, I, I produced some interviews of that because I was 
brought in to work on a project that was a multimedia CD-ROM aimed at the youth market. Right. Uh, which which there was a guy who I will not name, but he was meant to be the producer of it. And everyone thought, wow, he's he's so cool, probably because, like, he's black and he's from England. And, you know, he was always had cool stuff on his monitors. It took some time to realise he wasn't actually doing any work on this <laughs> thing. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was, I knew it, oh, yeah, it was, it was great. And we had an interview with Powderfinger on who were just, Starting out at that, but we, yeah. we we flew to Brisbane to interview Powderfinger and to do a story on Schoolies Week, and we sold it in newsagents on CD-ROM for seventeen ninety nine. What was it called? This zine, but with an exclamation mark between the this and the zine. That's awesome. This uh, and 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 I, I made sure that first one was called issue zero because I thought the next one's not going to be anything like this ragtag. <laughs> well, and, uh, and so what was I, hilarious is it was going to be quarterly, and we hmm. were uh, like us, the the company was a subsidiary of the Fairfax Empire because hmm. they were just throwing money at the wall on multimedia multimedia startups. Um. And we actually sold seventeen thousand copies of this wow, thing, that's right? Which huge. Is, yes, that is huge in newsagents. So that happened, and the interface designer won an award for us at a couple of things. And then, okay, I I put together this production plan showing how you could actually make it monthly by overlapping these people and and whatever. Really, should be monthly, um, but then. The, the 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 general manager the general manager of this company comes around and said, "Oh, so 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 when do we get the money?" And I'm there, what from the news agents? And I said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, it's quarterly, so in three months' time, they'll return the the they'll tell you how many they didn't sell, and then it's forty five days after that, so about." four or five months from now. Why? Oh, we have to pay for the next issue. I said, well, no, no, it's it's a magazine in a newsagent. Aren't, aren't we part of fair, fair fact? Fair, we're, we're part of a newspaper and magazine empire. Don't, don't, didn't anyone tell you how cash flows work in this industry? <laughs> it's so a shame. shut down. Oh, yeah, but, you know, the, the company itself uh, had a, a couple of other disastrous projects and it, it was right. a classic dot-com boom startup, 1995. It, wow. It, it was quietly taken out behind the, the shed and put out of its misery. I remember those. I remember those. I was first year university. You would have been university. a child. Yeah. Well, I was first year university. I don't remember this scene, but I was first year university, probably 19, uh, 2000. And all I wanted to do was work at K Grind. And that's all oh, I wanted to do. Man. <laughs> and uh, yes. all I, I, because I, I saw the ads for it in Street Press, in the drum and 3D world. I'm like, what is this cool thing advertising? And my dad was an early adopter. He had, a, he had an Optus at home account, so we had cable at home. So I'd log on to K Grind and watch these sick videos. At and, 480 um, by 320 pixels. Yeah, once again, yeah. <laughs> and look at this innovative website that doesn't go down, it goes to the side. And look at this thing, Flash. Um, and I. 
I went to the office with, and I thought I dressed appropriately what I thought was really cool, which I thought was like jeans and a Hawaiian shirt. And I uh, and I took my CV, CV and I was like, please, can I have a job at K-Grind? All I want to do is work at K-Grind. Um, I never got a job. Um, but thankfully, about 12 months later, uh, enough coke was done for that empire to shut down as well. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Word, but- word is there was quite a lot of, Cocaine involved in the yeah, that's right. Boom. That's right. Yeah, I never uh, got any of it. Can I fucking save it? Yeah. Uh, so when when we're working at a home alone together, I asked I asked Ray. I said, Ray, um, you know, we're coming up to the final few episodes. You know, what would be great? Uh, do you think Do you think that we could uh, get somebody who you might not have had a good relationship with in the past, and then kind of show you've become friends with them, and have we've all become better? In the future, do you think we could get, um, you know, John Safran to come over for a cup of tea? And he said, "No way, Dan. No way, Dan. <laughs> if I see John Safran, I'll knock him in the head." Ah, uh, but John's a <laughs> so, sweetie. Yeah. So, so Ray's not, still not over the Safran thing. Um, but wow. you know, that's okay. He's. You know, he was so generous with us on at Home Alone together, and he was such a brilliant performer. I think he's a better comedian these days than he is a, a journalist. So uh, he loves. Well, he's not he really lo- doing journalism these days. And he's doing. He's doing. Um, yeah, he's doing little bits and pieces for yeah. for folks. Um, but he's guest um, spots and stuff. Yeah, yeah, guest spots, Uber ads. <laughs> the great, the great, the most amazing because Ray's kind of looks after himself he's his own agent you know he you know he does he looks after himself and um and now he sees like the money behind things clearly whereas i think if you're if you're on staff at nine for all those years you never see you know Uh, what stuff's worth but he's like oh damn i hope i get another uh, uber ad this year because the last one did (laughs) far out crikey the money was insane you know just like it's like oh welcome welcome to show business ray you and i are both vying for the same ads Well, since we're talking about generating some revenue and uh, neither of us uh, are as wealthy as Ray Martin, I assume, might as well pass the plate. As you know, the podcast is made possible by you, the generous listener. Now, for this episode in particular, I want to thank Duke DeWitt, whose uh, Edict 02A Premium Pint annual subscription came up for renewal the other day. Fabulous to get a nice big chunky subscription in. Do think about that. I'll come back to explain how that works in a minute. But this episode is, of course, thank you to everyone who supported the 9pm late winter series 2021 crowdfunding campaign during July. This is the first of the six episodes. And there's more than 60 of you. I'll thank... Look, I'll run through the list now. Who bought... A conversation topic, Richard Stevens did. Thank you very much. Please let me know what your conversation topic is. Uh, buyers of three trigger words, doop, doop, dewit, Johan dewit. Anyway, again, amazing. Sheepy, again. And five people who choose to remain anonymous. That is just fantastic. Uh, buying one trigger word, Brenton Ralph, Dave Gorkiger, David J. Bruce, David King, Frank Filipponi, Gavin C., Jonathan Ferguson, Jordan Whiteman, Carl Sinclair, Liz Darville, Mark Newton, Mick Fong, Oberon's Ghost, Paul Williams, Peter Blakely, Peter McCrudden, Peter Sanderlands, Peter Wickens, 
and some people not called Peter. Philip Merrick, Ramsey Smith, Rick Heyman, Ross Nye, Scott Reeves, Sil Mobile, and one person who chooses to remain anonymous, obviously buying a trigger word is a popular thing to do. Then there's all the foot soldiers for media freedom who gave uh, a slightly less than basic tip. The people who gave a basic tip, there's five of you, you're listed on the website, but those who gave a less basic tip, Alex Kidman, Andrew Kennedy, Brian Smith, Chris the Hoff, Christopher Neal, Craig Batty, David Heath, Deej Bar, Garth Kidd, Kimberly Heitman, Paris Lord, Peter Blakely, Peter McCrudden, Susan Rankin, Tim Johns, Tim Johns again, and two people who choose to remain anonymous. Yes, some of those names appeared more than once because people were very generous. So thank you. And thank you to another 12 people, 12 who chose to have no reward whatsoever, even though some of them were the most generous people of all. Thank you so much. I'll uh, thank some of you in more detail uh, when your trigger words and conversation topic uh, comes, come in, comes in. Anyway, that's all the people who've made this and the next five episodes possible. I haven't locked in exactly who will be on next week, but the the episodes will appear once a week. Uh, I've got plenty of feelers out. Some people have said maybes just haven't organised the exact running order yet, but there's going to be some fantastic stuff. Now, if you have not yet supported this podcast, there's two things you can do, and one of them is really easy. Just tell your friends. The more people who listen to the podcast, the better. That's fabulous. And the other thing you can do is throw a few dollars into the tip jar. That's at the 9pmedic.com slash tip, the 9pmedic.com slash tip. And now uh, back to Mr. Illich. So, American character actor and uh, comedian Gilbert Gottfried He's one of the people you can pay 50 bucks or whatever to send a, like a message for you, do a little cameo spot. And uh, a, a chap on Twitter by the name of Foon Turing uh, recently uh, paid said money to uh, to get Gilbert Gottfried to, to, to send this message to Scott Morrison. Have a listen to this, Dan. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is for Scott Morrison. And it's the Scott Morrison... And it's from Australia, all of Australia, with the koala bears and uh, and and the uh, kangaroos and uh, and those uh, duck uh, duck bill platypuses, all of Australia. It it's uh, it's even coming from boomerangs. Boomerangs are are coming back. Boomerangs are you know. When uh, uh, people are so pissed off at you, Scott, that if you threw a boomerang, it would not come back. It would go as far away as possible. It would go away and stop in midair and go, oh, am I supposed to go back? Nah, I'm not going back to him. And it would keep going. It would go uh, uh, to China. It would, like, it may even go past it. Anything. Uh, it would go to China and go, mm, not far enough. And then go even further. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, 
I, and uh, duck-billed platypuses wouldn't talk to you, and, and they're disgusting animals. Now, look, you sucked as a prime minister, and, uh, and now you suck as a marketing exec. You have to get enough COVID vaccines. Don't you understand? Uh, look, I'm pretty sure it was on the news. Not positive, but I'm pretty sure I saw it on the news. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I would see it on the news every day for the past two years at least 500 times a day. Uh, so that you had one job to do. How could you not do that? And, uh, but anyway, aside from that, uh, why could Christ never be born in Australia? Uh, because they need to find three wise men and one virgin. Ah, uh, well, that's just an old joke. Oh, uh, why do they have job interviews in Australia? Uh, because uh, uh, they want to see if you have the right qualifications. Anyway, obviously you don't own Scott. Scott, maybe you could find a job at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very good. I really enjoyed that. There's yeah. a lot of international people talking about Scott Morrison at the moment. I don't know if you caught the podcast Pod Save the World with um, with former Obama alumni, uh, Tommy Vitor and Ben Rhodes, but they were talking about ScoMo shitting his pants at Engadine McDonald's last week. <laughs> And they even gave me a little mention sideways because I don't know if you remember this, uh, 2019, uh, the election was happening. I, when that news kind of started to go more viral, I went to mm -hmm. Engadine McDonald's and put up a little plaque outside McDonald's to oh, commemorate yes. to commemorate him pooing his pants at the 1997 Super League Grand Final. <laughs> Which he now denies, of course, and went we on uh, the radio the other day to deny shitting his pants. Yeah, that's, that's a right. hell of a dead cat to drop. It is a big, uh, yeah, compl everyone's completely distracted by that. Now, uh, I can tell you, it wasn't $50 to pay for Gilbert Gottfried. I know this because I have paid Gilbert Gottfried to do a sketch for me, and it's a lot more expensive. Oh, okay. It's $175 US. That's significant. You know, that's when the dollar is fucked, that's significant money. Uh, and earlier this year, uh, uh, still, I actually paid Gilbert Gottfried to pretend to be in a sketch with Scotch Morris, Scott Morrison, and I asked, <laughs> I asked Gilbert Gottfried, I wrote out a bunch of lines for Gilbert Gottfried to read as if he was uh, Craig Campbell being dressed down by Scott Morrison. <laughs> so let me play it for you. <laughs> Craig, Craig, just come in and sit down and uh, play on your iPad for 20 minutes. Then I'll uh, put out a release that you can repost on Facey. Okay. Ah, uh, Craig Thirsty. Craig wants juice and hydroxychloroquine now. Uh, sorry, mate. Uh, thanks to my media team, I've only got VB and 4X in the fridge. Please use my desk. It's four metres squared from everyone else in the office. You're a mainstream sheeple. You're a believer. Yes, mate. That's right. Mainstream are where the votes are. The voters like the Sharkies. I like the Sharkies. Got it? Peter was right. 
You're the deep state. Now, mate, mate, there is no deep state. When Tones was in charge, it was Peter. Your friends with the deep state. You make TV with the deep state. You're trying to silence me. I have freedom of speech. Craig, now, I'm not silencing you, but shut up. Now, you're free to say whatever you want to after the election. When you act like a goose, I look like a goose. This year, I'm having a no-goose policy. I'm going to stop the geese. Have a look at this. What is this? It's a bull. That's right, good boy. And what does it say? I stopped these. There you go, you can read. Well, that's good. Now, I'll get you one of these with your face on it. Craig wants trophy face. Yeah, good. Now, only if you're quiet and stop posting rubbish. Now, give me one good reason not to drop you from Hughes. Facebook friend has a tape from Engadine McDonald's. Ah, uh, yeah? What's his name? Vladimir Aussie bloke. Mate, there is no tape. You did it. I have plausible deniability. Say it for Facebook stream. Wah! Battery dead on truth pad. What's that? Your iPad is dead? Well, charge it in Dutton's office. Now you can pick it up tomorrow from Peter. He has really good charges in there. Only if you're a good boy, though. Craig okay. Kelly, good boy. A good boy. Craig, come back tomorrow for truth pad. That's a bloody good idea, mate. Now, fuck off. There you go. Uh, there is. Uh, <laughs> lo- lovely work. And, I mean, yeah, Craig Kelly really, really is the brightest cl- crayon in the box, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Cameo is such this is this incredible tool where you can pay money to get great people to do stuff like that for you. <laughs> and and Cameo.com. I need, to, I, need, I need to be using it more often for that. We have a, a, another clip of Craig Kelly. Uh, this is really Craig Kelly from uh, this week, <laughs> in fact, because the wonderful news is that uh, Clive Palmer is going to bankroll Craig Kelly and George Christensen to join the Palmer United Party. And here's here's Craig now. One thing that I am uh, really concerned about is Facebook's censorship of freedom of speech. Uh, I was naturally disappointed, of course, that the Speaker uh, didn't refer my matter to the Privileges Committee. So that leaves me with the option of uh, legal action against Facebook. Now, the reality is even someone uh, as well paid as a member of parliament that I am uh, simply can't afford uh, to take, proceed with a legal case against a giant like Facebook. Clive will foot the bill. Well, I need, I need crowdfunding. So uh, if whoever can help me crowdfund, because we've got to protect freedom of speech in this country, and if Clive can help there, well, I think that's a good thing for the country. I like the idea of crowdfunding <laughs> is Clive Palmer. <laughs> Just get a billionaire in. That's crowdfunding. Clive's a crowd all of his own, isn't he? Uh, do you ever feel like increasingly we are we are just falling into like serfdom for different billionaires? Like you know, we've all picked our billionaire who we want to be behind. These guys, Craig and George, have picked Craig. I've picked Mike Cannon Brooks. Uh, so it's like 
know, like we all we all like, oh, we got to pick a billionaire to you know get in on this game. <laughs> we all it, suck at the billionaire's billion teats. You need a billion teat, a billion nipples. This is the billion nipple led recovery. It, it, it is very strange. It is very strange. And I think you know Craig Kelly, George Christensen, and Clive Palmer. Well, at least they've got mass in common, don't they? They are. Yes. They are. They've got a lot of volume between those three gentlemen, and I'm sure they'll have big a lot men of men with big ideas. Yeah, and they're, 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 with those three bodies, that includes like uh, that they'll have their own sense of gravity. Uh, I think sure. I'm sure people will be drawn to them. And here's the thing about that. I don't. I don't necessarily disparage this because all of a sudden, Craig is flipping. Uh, Clive Palmer is flipping the tables on last year's election, where he's stealing Labor votes last year. He appears to be trying to steal Conservative votes this year, which is okay I guess like it's it kind of makes sense you never know where Clive Palmer is sitting he's just this bad actor that's just trying to get what he wants and I feel like this could be in a place where you know smart independence will will rise hopefully this election and we'll see some meaningful climate action I my my dream is that the liberals and labor uh, fall at in this election in a way that they are in in like a minority government and and strong Climate-led action, uh, climate-led independence, will force them into actually actually doing something about climate change for Australia. That's that is my a dream. fabulous dream. That is a fabulous dream, and much better than my dream. Where the other night I dreamt that uh, Noel Fielding, the British comedian and host of uh, Great British Bake Off, was dosing me on DMT as part of a workplace induction process, <laughs> and he was he was cuddling to keep me calm, and then that whole process was being monitored by a huge bear of a man uh, wearing this sort of sparkly childlike ballerina's tutu. Wow, it sounds like um, uh, like Eurovision after party or something. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. I'd... Yeah, yeah, where we could have Eurovision after parties again. Oh, Dan, Dan Illich, we have, we have filled the hour, so, you know. Oh, I guess that's a success, right? Yeah, that's that's right. We we have we have created content. It is good content. It's been fabulous fun. Still, Gary, and thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm a long time follower and fan and listener, and uh, oh, it's you. an abs- absolute privilege to be on uh, the nine pm edict with you. What more can we say? Good night, people. Oh, and uh, listen to Irrational Fear. Oh, yeah. W- Sorry, w- I, all w- the plugs going. Yeah, listen to Irrational Fear. Um, yeah, all of that. I'll, I'll do it in the tag. Oh, you'll do that. I'll do okay, it probably no, in the tag. Great, yeah. great. Fantastic. Well, that's all the edict for now. You should go and listen to Danny Litch's podcast, A Rational Fear, in all the usual places. You should tell your friends about this podcast, The 9pm Edict, in all the usual places. You should go to the 9pmedict.com slash tip and chuck a few dollars in and you should wash your hands. I'm still Gary and see you next time. The 9pm Edict is a Skank Media production. Sorry.